The strongest stars have hearts of Kaiba. I'm going with the force of forces with me. That's not how the Force works. Well, let's start somewhere. Welcome to the KyberCast. This is episode number 73, recorded November 19th, 2020. My name is Joe Becker. I'm part of this team. The other team member is... Michael Diaz. Because we're sports ball now. We're sports. Go. We're changing format. We're going to be an all sports podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no one wants my opinion on sports. Not that anyone Mine wants either. my opinion on geek stuff, but they're getting it. Right. No, we are not changing formats. I just said for some reason team came out and I don't know why. So nothing, nothing more than that. How you been? Good. Good. It's been a good week. How are you doing? I think it's a fast week. I don't know. I, feel like it's a blur but i you know never leaving the house is back to that again i'm 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 a little bit um not down but but you could say down a little bit in that there's just you know you can't just go run out and get a beer somewhere you know or that kind of stuff and i i don't like that i do miss that like at least during the summer yep. you could like go sit outside someone's house and you know sit in a chair like a, even if you brought your own camp chair you could sit down and have a beer or something and now it's getting cold. Today was nice. Today was. But it was an anomaly. It's, you know, it's the idea of like, I remember when all this was happening in March, April, whatever, and it was still cold out, but we knew like it was going to warm up, right? Right. And that we'd, we'd eventually like, okay, if we can get a month, we can, you know, at least get outside and, you know, keep our distance and do whatever. But now it's just, it's going the other way. And I know there's a vaccine and all that, but we shall see. Yeah. So Actually, that's what I think that's what it is mostly is I know that it's not, you know, it gets dark at five o'clock. So I'm like, ah, you know, it's the blahs. I hear you. I actually have a friend who's going to get the vaccine in two weeks. So interesting. As a test person or? Uh, they work in the, I won't say their name because I don't know if they're at liberty to know. No, don't do that. It's HIP, no, no. HIPAA anyways. No, no, I know. I won't, I won't say that. But uh, this friend of mine works in the healthcare industry and that's all I'll say. Oh, good. So. They, because they're on the front lines, they're one of the first ones to get it. Well, that's awesome. I mean, we want them to. Oh, I hear you. So, yeah. Anyways, that's it. But other than that, it's been a been a good week. A lot of stuff going on. A lot of lot of uh, bits and stuff to talk about. A little bit of news here and there. We both got geeks this week. I actually did something. And um, well, I didn't really. It's pretty passive what I did. It's not like I. <laughs> but you geeked oh, out over something. Yeah. Um, you might be surprised at what I say about it. Um, but let's uh, let's jump right into news bits. You 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 posted one after I posted the list. I'll let you start this one out. Well, I okay. This one's kind of a joke one. So what do you mean? What do you mean is a joke? Well, come on. Does does anyone really want? Well, I should take that back. I already, we've already had one of our listeners respond that, yes, they're very much interested in <laughs> a short circuit reboot. Right. So for those of you that are not familiar and we're not alive or 
are familiar with this movie from the 80s. It is the movie about uh, a robot, a military, uh, a proposed prototype for the military that gets struck by lightning and becomes sentient and decides they want to be alive. Think of it kind of like Frankenstein, but the 80s. And Steve Gutenberg and Ali Sheedy and Fisher Stevens and Brownface. It's that's not good. <laughs> yeah, it's not good. Not good I mean, at all. I liked it when I was a kid, but does it hold up? I don't know. It it's all right. I you know I haven't watched it. It has never been in my. I mean, I liked the movie when it came out. Um, it was fun, but I I haven't even thought about that movie. Like that's the thing. It's 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 fine, but it's like. It's not, I mean, this is just my opinion. If there's someone, I'm sure there are huge short circuit fans out there. There's every movie has its fan base. But for me, I can't say that I think this is a movie that needs to be rebooted. But it's kind of the precursor to Wally, right? Oh, yeah. Wally definitely looks like Johnny Five. <laughs> yeah. I'd be interested if they go to like one of those, what is it, Boston Dynamics or whatever, that the, that company that makes these really- Oh, the robot like, dogs? Robot dogs, a scary, like fucking scary end of the world shit. If, it, if it's military. <laughs> exactly. See those things? Yeah, though, I, they're cool, but they also scare me. Wow. I mean, like I said, they, they're, they're, it's cool that they can do that. And you, have you seen it like when they kick them? And they they don't fall over and they keep moving. Yeah, they did. Nothing stops them. They, it, all, every time I see them, all I hear is uh, Michael Bean's character Reese saying, "It'll never quit ever until <laughs> well, you were dead." Some of them now have like uh, an appendage on top, so it can actually come and open doors and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's weird. It's scary. I mean, I'm sorry. How hard is it to turn that appendage into like you know? A, 50 caliber machine gun. Uh, it's not hard. That's why that shit's built that way. Exactly. I mean, I mean that's what it's for. It's not, right. It's this fucking RoboCop here, man. Ed 209. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Um, anyway. I You know it, You know what? There's no new ideas. That's the problem. They don't know what to do. Nobody's taking chances. It's all, let's look back. Um, so, will I rush to see this? Nope. If it... If it ends up free on Netflix, yep. <laughs> I see the temptation. You know, lots of times known products get sales, whether or not they're quality. But sometimes they don't. Look at the RoboCop re- reboot. I mean, yeah. right? It was terrible. Yeah. So what can you do? Yeah. Okay. So uh, for the second thing, I, I first would like to thank. Um, Warner Brothers and HBO Max for listening to uh, my advice over the last, I don't know, every time we talk about this, but it uh, seems that Wonder Woman's now going to be released on HBO Max and theaters at the same time on December 25th for Christmas. So it's going to go streaming. They're not going to charge anything extra, Michael, but it will only be on HBO Max for a month. You know what? So I'm good with that. I think, you know, they're not going to make as much money. That's unfortunate. And Right, but I I did the math. I mean, anyone can. It's pretty simple. But I'm like, okay, so I can pay fourteen ninety nine on Christmas Day. Mm-hmm. Well, it's it's uh, is that what it costs a month? Exactly. Yes. Oh, okay, I don't pay that. So. Oh, you got it free. 
Well, because I get it through cable and it's nine, I think I paid like $10 or something a month for cable HBO. I don't know. It's a package with, with Showtime and HBO. You know what I mean? So because I pay for HBO on my cable company, I get the HBO Max free. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. See, I I, I just did the math. This is a movie we were going to go see in the theater no matter what. I mean, I guess we still right. could, but we're not okay. going to. Um, I was a big fan of the first one. Shaylee, it was her, you know, Batman, Superman, whatever. Yep. So when I told her about it after you posted, she's like, fuck yeah. <laughs> so, and, and can you give me a little bit of credit for posting before you for once on news? I know. I'm sorry I was working. <laughs> so was I, but that never stopped you before. <laughs> I, I get to a lot of stuff, yes, but I don't get to everything. So, yes, credit, tip of the hat to you, Joe. Good job. Yeah, thank you. But yeah, we were going to go see it in the theater anyway. So that's 20 bucks, 20, 22 bucks right there. Oh, if, you leave a, if you leave a movie theater with only 20 bucks, you are fucking strong. Well, hold on. So... Not counting the tickets, you mean? No. Like, tickets are 10, 10 bucks now. That's what I'm saying. It cost, you know, $20, $22, however much it is, maybe 23 mm-hmm. just to see the film. And then you get to right. get popcorn, which is, you know, $5,000. Right, because that's where they make their real money. I understand that. Now, I admit, you know, I'm one of those, uh, when AMC was, when we were able to see movies, I'm a member of their premiere club. Mm-hmm. Just like Celebration has those things. Right, same kind of thing. So... Sometimes we would go see like Saturday or Sunday morning movies. If it was a cold, dreary morning Sunday, we'd go see a $5 film. So sometimes I go see cheap movies. But let's face it, this was not a movie we were going to go see on the cheap. This was a movie we were going to see in primetime, paying the 20 some odd dollars to see the film. Plus the popcorn, like you said. You're looking at 30, 40 bucks for two people at least. Easy, easy. So, I mean... Um don't get me wrong. I like the theater experience. I like the big chairs. I like the sound. I like the big picture. I would prefer to see in the theater, but it's the COVID. Well, part. you know, the nice thing too, okay, that's, you're going to pay your 15 bucks for the month, right? So you get to watch Wonder Woman. If you chose to, they have uh, the Titans season, uh, show was on HBO Max, yep. which I haven't watched any of it, but, that, but it's on there. So it's something else you might want to throw on and see if it's good. You could watch any of the Justice League stuff you didn't see, you know, if you wanted to. Um, well, the funny thing is, I own, I own. Batman I know you do, but sometimes yeah. it's easier just to, sometimes it's easier just to throw on the on the stream, and you don't, you don't have to get up, you know. I have the digital copy. I could stream it. Oh, Jesus God! <laughs> just haven't. <sighs> I know. I hear you. For fifteen bucks, I mean, again, wish it was in the theater. I'd love to see it in the theater. I. I'm afraid it's not going to get the oomph that it deserves because it didn't hit the theater. But then again, other than Mulan, I, I actually think this is the biggest movie coming to streaming this year. The 100%. I, I mean, I it could do for HBO Max what Mandalorian did for Disney+. Plus. If it's great, people will like, they'll want to watch it. And they'll at least get people to sign up for a month. And it's perfect for them because it's a great vehicle to get people to sign up. I think... 100% Warner Brothers did it right because 15 bucks is not that much. I'm going to pay it, you know? And how yeah. many other people, I mean, not a lot of people, but there are a fair number of people in the U.S. that their tradition on Christmas is to go see a movie. 
Absolutely. You know, I worked at movie theaters for, I don't know, seven years and Christmas was our, one of our busiest nights. No right. doubt about it. I know. I mean, I know it's cliched, but there are people that do that. That's their family tradition. We, yeah. um, you know, I hate to get all cliched even more, but you know, after seeing movies like, um, um, a Christmas story, I was actually curious, yeah. are there actually Chinese restaurants open in Grand Rapids on Christmas day? There are. Yeah, there is. There is. So we started a tradition, uh, unfortunately, uh, the first Christmas after my dad passed, we went to a Chinese restaurant that night and we tipped excessively well, but it became a thing. There is a halal restaurant um, over not too far from that ch- uh, Chinese restaurant. So some years we go and we have um, Lebanese food on Christmas Eve evening. Yeah. Now, again, we tip very generously because it is Christmas, but it's become our little tradition. So all that to say, Warner Brothers <clears throat> was brilliant because how many thousands and thousands of users that ha- don't have HBO Max already are going to sign up just to watch that that day? Tons. Right. Now, don't get me wrong. Come the end of January, there might be a quick drop off, but not everyone's going to drop off. They're going to retain a fair number of those users. So... I think they played it smarter than Disney did with Mulan. Yeah, well, I think no, I I don't. I I, I think they do, they both have two different models here. I think that Disney Plus was checking, right? This was a test. They didn't, they didn't lose anything. Um, it's not their fault that COVID was around. So what they did was like, okay, this is not. This is a test to see if people will pay over and above. If we give them something that is exclusive for a limited time or whatever. Um, no different than on demand used to, you know, on cable, you can, you can just put it on your on demand instead of going to rent it at the movie at rented right. at the video store. Right. So it's a test. And I think they figured, okay, I don't know how many watched it, but I, you know, good, bad, or indifferent. They, they learned something. So, and they got some money back. And I think that's just, it's going to help them figure out that wasn't too long after that, right? That they said that they're going to, that they're focused on streaming period right now. Right. So they learned enough to figure it out. Now they may not be able to get 20 bones, but they might be able to get 15. They might be able to get 12, whatever, over and above. So this kind of begs the question, are we going to see Black Widow come to Disney Plus for less than 30 bucks? Well, as of right now, they said May of next year. That's already been set to May. Um, and if this, from what uh, I understand, if this vaccine works out, maybe they can. Maybe, maybe they can keep that. Right, right. Um, I mean, it's gonna. I, I think. I think they'll be safe with May. Um, but yeah, yeah. So, anyways, it's a, a good Christmas gift. I'm, I'm looking forward. To, at least they have something to look forward to. Uh, new, we, 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 we have a great, I think it's going to be a great movie and you know, what the hell? Good job. I'm glad they listened to me. <laughs> I'm sure they did. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, if you play video games and you have the Oculus, uh, game, which I don't, it's Facebook. So I don't, I'm, don't know if I want to buy that, but, um, 
released is Star Wars Tales from Galaxy's Edge VR game. Now, I have played Vader Immortal um, on my friend's system, and that thing is so cool. Like, I, I would buy it if it wasn't for Facebook. <laughs> um, but man, the VR, it is pretty cool. And uh, this puts you in, uh, based upon the Disney area, and it puts you right into Star Wars and you have tasks to do. It's not a super big game as these little small things that they kind of test and do, but it is released and it looks pretty cool. It looks cool. All those VR games look cool to me, um, but I'm just not going to shell out money for that right now. I don't know. Are you interested in VR at all, Michael? Have you played? Uh, I don't know that I've, I may have played one VR game on a PS4 or something. I don't know. I, I no. The answer is no. I'm not really interested in it. if it's it's Galaxy's Edge as well. So okay, I mean yes, I plan on seeing Galaxy's Edge at some point when we can travel again and I can go to Disney and see Galaxy's Edge. But yeah, the fact that is Galaxy's Edge is not a selling point for me for a VR game. No, but I see it as a precursor to something like uh, the Old Republic or like which is like a World of Warcraft MMO, right? Yeah, I could see that. So if you if, if this is a test, right, can you walk around this world? Can you do things and then go do your, you know, your missions all in VR? Now we're talking like that could be a fun thing. So these are all like, you know, these are all tests. These The Vader Immortal are very small games. They're not they're like $10, man. You know what I mean? The, the actual video game itself is not expensive. Um, but they're all tests of what this platform is going to be in the future. And it seems to be growing, you know, this isn't 3d television that keeps coming out every 10 years and dying. in one year after it comes out, um, this seems to be catching on the VR stuff. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely an audience for it. I just, maybe I'm old, but this, this maybe, 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 maybe. <laughs> maybe I'm old. I mean, I'm not as old as you. No, no, but you will be. <laughs> eventually, eventually. But like okay. I said. Uh, uh, go ahead. I would just say, uh, yeah, this game, just VR overall doesn't interest me that much. I don't think we're there yet. I think we're... Uh, I think we're still several years off for making it before it's mainstream. So sounds yep. cool. That's about it. Cool. And uh, one more piece of news. I did read um, yesterday. That there's a talk of Lady Sif coming to the Loki show. That's Jamie Alexander who plays her, um, which I thought was a cool character throughout the Thor stuff that they kind of like forgot. They even brought her on. Um, I think they have, she was on an episode of, uh, Agents of Shield, uh, like the first season, I believe she was to kind, of, and I thought maybe they'd bring her back on that a little bit. But um, I thought I always thought it was a cool character that they didn't really do enough with. But that'd be cool, maybe part of Loki. Oh yeah, I I liked her. I thought she was cool. Um, you know, she brought an interesting kind of counterplay with Jane. You know, uh, Natalie Portman's character in the first and second films, but. Perhaps the fact that she was not in the third film at all was mm -hmm. a saving grace because everyone got slaughtered. Right. right. So maybe it's good that she wasn't in that because now we get to see her in Loki. 
Who knows? Maybe. Well, we don't know what Loki, Loki's the alternate timeline or something. We don't know what that's going to be. True. Good point. Good point. So maybe Ragnarok never happened. I don't know. It's, that's a tough one. We'll, we'll find all that out. Okay. We got a lot to talk about. So let's go right into our geek this week. I sat down last night and watched Star Wars Lego Holiday Special. I didn't even Have you seen it yet? I didn't even know it came Did, out already. No, I posted about it a week ago that it was coming out, but you know, I know you don't listen to what I say. <laughs> um, no, I, it just seemed farther away. It was, it it was okay. I mean, again, it is a bit of that that what I put down um, lower decks. I was going to say upper decks. What I put down <laughs> on the lower decks where it's kind of like a. It's a little bit louder when they talk, you know what I mean? And it's it's fairly irreverent. It's kind of like this whole let's go back through they use they use like the the Doctor Strange time portals. Um and kind of all these things happen. And it's funny, there's a lot of jokes. Like it, it's all inside jokes, really. The whole thing is just a bunch of inside jokes, which is what Lego does. Um so and the but the story was pretty weak. Um but there's some fun things to it, but I, I didn't particularly think it was great. So there you go. You say I don't, I'm not critical of Star Wars. There you go. <laughs> um, I, if I'd have paid for this, I'd be ticked. Um, but it's part of Disney Plus. You throw it on, and I think kids will love it. Like kids will love this. Right. It's 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 fun. I mean, there's some funny things to it, and um, but the, you know, whoever did the voice for uh, Harrison Ford was good. Um, there's some funny things in it. It's just, it's, it's not canon or anything, but at least I hope not. Yeah. But just cause it's for kids doesn't mean they can't be good. I mean, the first Lego movie I saw I loved it. it. Hilarious. Yeah. I loved Absolutely. It. I just don't think there's enough. It's more about the jokes than it is about the story. Whereas I think that Lego movie, there was a story there. There was. But it was also very funny. So yeah, right, right. But you cared about everybody. They could have done that one, this, don't you think? They could have, but they didn't. Right. That's what I'm telling you. <laughs> right, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I I think it sounds obviously I've not seen it because I like I said I forgot it came out. But from what you're telling me, it sounds very low effort. I I think it was the, the effort was on jokes. I don't know if it was a bad like a, if it was low effort. It just wasn't on you know, a story. It was, you know, there's some interesting things in there. There's some fun things. It's just, you know, anyways, watch it anyways. It's fun. Watch it with kids. Kids will love it. It's a perfect Disney plus thing. Um, and you know, I want, I wish everybody to have a happy life day and, uh, you know, whatever that day is. It's amazing how life day is a lot like Christmas. Amazing. Isn't it? It's crazy. I mean, even with sweaters and stuff. It's amazing um, how much Saturnalia is like Christmas. <laughs> Wait, <sorry>. All right. <laughs> Your geek this week. So my geek this week actually was pretty sudden and pretty recent. I was flipping through social media and happened to notice that Comixology was having a massive sale on Humanoids Publishing, which are you, are you familiar with Humanoids Publishing at all, Joe? I am not. They um, they actually bring a lot of European-style comics 
to the U.S. and they translate them and all that. Some some are in French, some are Belgian, some are, they even have I think uh, translated some uh, Japanese comics. But mm. for the most part, their bread and butter has been uh, European style comic books. Um, comics are done differently in Europe. They're not necessarily. I mean, they're on all ages as well. But the ones they're kind of focusing on are. Well, do you remember a magazine in the eighties called Heavy Metal? Yeah, of course. Okay, Heavy Metal is kind of associated with this. It was called uh, Metal Hurlant. Um, so that's what humanoids. Humanoids has a presence in Europe, and then also there's humanoids in the U.S. And they take those European comics and bring them over. Um, I say all that to say there's a huge sale. If you're fans of Jodorowsky, who was originally supposed to be the writer-director of Dune before I went to David Lynch in the 80s, the guy's mad, like insane, but brilliant. He and a famous French artist, Mobius, created a classic comic book called The Inkle, which you can buy every volume I'm sorry, each volume is 99 cents. So if you would like to complete a run of the Inkle, you can buy it this way. Um, My particular association with uh, Humanoids is a title called The Meta Barons, which is a super violent space opera of the story of a league, like a, a line of mercenaries that is always replaced by their offspring where they, the father will battle the son and it, the son will usually destroy and kill the father and then become the meta baron. So it's, it's very tragic and very violent, but also some of the best art I've ever seen by, um, Oh, I can't remember the guy's name. Is it Jimenez? Anyway, I'll post it, uh, in the okay. show notes, but anyway, I actually own a massive tome omnibus of the Meta Barons. I still bought every single release they had. I think there was eight or nine of them. They're each a buck. I just had them so that way I could read them digitally if I ever want. But for me, they also did a couple series after that continued the Meta Baron story that when they release them, they're beautiful. They're The art's amazing. They're on great paper. They're hardcover. But each volume is like 20 bucks. or you buy them on Kindle during, or sorry, Comixology, or actually Kindle on this sale, ninety-nine cents each. So it was low risk. There are going to be a total right. of there are six volumes out right now of this pre our sequel story to the Meta Baron. I don't, you know, to jump in, it's going to cost me like one hundred and twenty, one hundred and thirty bucks, or wow. six. Yeah, <laughs> six. So it's a good. It's a good deal. That's what I bought. That's what I'm reading. Totally love it. Great comics. If you want to talk about it more, I can post on social media. But so you can, but you can watch. You can watch. You can read those on Kindle or Comicsology app, right? Yeah. So I actually, funny enough, I actually had a five dollar Amazon credit. So I right. checked uh, Amazon, and they were also the same price for Kindle. So if if you buy from Comicsology, it'll appear in your Kindle library. But if you buy it from Kindle, it may not here in your comiXology library so oh really they haven't connected those which is funny i don't know why it doesn't go both ways but 
I just bought Kindle because I had the credit, but I have plenty of stuff in Comixology that is all you know shown up in my Kindle as well. So nice way for me to read more comics on my HD10 that I bought a couple months ago or last month. Right, right, right. Highly suggest. I think the sale is through the 30th of November. So check it out again. We are not any kind of uh, no business relationship with Comixology or Amazon. I mean, if they want to call us, give us a call. But I'm just throwing it out there as a very cheap, low-risk way to check out some European-style comics, especially if you are, have heard the term or name of Mobius. I bought some of his stuff, too, just because I own some of his stuff, and it's great, so I bought some other works that I thought, eh, we'll check it out. Cool. Yeah. Really awesome Cool, cool. Stuff. Cool. All right. Let's, let's jump to, we have our, we have, you know, it's basically, it's not like a repeat of every show, but that's, this is the content that's coming out to us right now. Um, but we're, we're gonna, we're gonna start with, uh, our Dune section seven. Um, now next week is a break from book club. So you guys can all catch up hopefully by the following week. Uh, we may talk Mandalorian on Tuesday. We'll We'll figure that out as we go, if things go well. Um, but in terms of where we are with Dune, we just finished section seven. It's the beginning of book three. And um, I got a question. Now, I feel like I missed something, but it jumps like two years, right? Like he has a dream or something, or he sees the future of a lot of things, and he doesn't want those to happen. He is in Paul. Sorry, yep. listeners. Um, now it it jumps like two years, right? Yep, that's my understanding. So, so this seems like the the logical break for the film. Now that I've read it, like this will be the second film. Oh, I can see like, that. I, I can see that. Um, maybe not, but I'm guessing this is the logical break, and it, it, obviously they can cut some things down to make book one and two into first half of the movie, which anyways, but was it like two years? Yeah. It's at or least was it, two years. It, at least two, right? Yes. Um, I believe that uh, Jessica makes a comment that it's been just over two years. So that's right. right. That's okay. I, I thought so, but then I got kind of lost in the, um, not dream sequence, but you know what I mean? The future thinking that he had. Yeah. That Paul had. It, it, I found it. I found it a little confusing as well. That first part, I, I attributed that to, just like you said, he's using the powers. You know, he's learned spice. Yeah, yeah. A, com- a combination of the spice and the Bene, Ges- Bene Gesserit powers that he mm-hmm. has worked on. So, I think that between the two, yeah, there there are times in the beginning there where it's like he can't tell what's happening now versus what's happened in the past versus what's happening in the future for him it seems that time is very fluid right which makes the writing weird and i was like wait a minute wasn't we yeah so i think so what did you think of this the section overall it was good i liked it but when i finished it i realized we started in the desert ready for him to basically getting ready to ride one of the makers or a worm worm right and by the time that hundred pages is over, we're just after he did that. Not a lot has happened yeah. in this hundred pages. No, it's this book is interesting, man. Like, there's not a lot that happens in this book so far. Like, uh, technically, you can have a lot of this stuff that did happen so far in like an hour. 
Yeah, everything I think that's happened in this book so far, like not this book, sorry, in this hundred page chunk we read, it's less than a day. Less than a day, it's only right? A few hours, actually. Right. It could be an episode of Mandalorian. <laughs> right. Now, that said, I was is entertained. I mean, we saw his perspective. Then it shifts to Jessica and her waiting, and then I don't know if we're ready to talk about it yet. But his sister creeps me out. Well, that's the thing, right? So here's, it is a setup of new characters, right? So they had to be a little bit slow. So now we had to learn um, that his sister, who's two years old, has the experience of Jessica because of the, the water transfer or whatever you want to call it. Yep. So she, it's almost like she's infused with all that knowledge and knowledge, other knowledges that maybe even Jessica doesn't know. Um, clearly could be a, now this is a very much a, Arthurian type thing where you have Arthur and um, oh my gosh, who was the his sister? Uh, um, not Guinevere really. with no, 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 no. Guinevere was his wife, but with Merlin that that became oh yeah, oh my. But she was a witch, yeah. became a, or became a, a sorceress, right? I can't remember. So it's very, very similar to. Uh, to Arthurian legend. Yes. So I can see where they pulled that from. So I, so clearly his sister might be an opponent down the road. It's just possibly, I, I don't know for sure. Um, but it is weird when they say she's two years old and then just the way she talks and acts, it's. Well, the Fremen think it's weird too. They're freaking out. Like, you know, um, they, they don't, they don't want to, they don't get it either. Like, you know, they, nobody gets it. They, they say she's basically possessed and needs to be exercised. Right. Which, right. I got to admit, if a two-year-old talked to me like that, I'd be like, what the fuck? Well, they were, you know, if you remember the beginning of the book, they were amazed at Paul and how adult sound. Like, early on in the book, they called him boy who talks like a man. Right. 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 And it's he true. was 15 or something. Right. He's like 18 now. So, so yeah, it's 15, 16 at the beginning of the book. Um, at least I think it was 18 he is now. I can't remember. I thought that's what they said. They really said, they just noted that he was definitely 15 when they got to Arrakis. Right. And I'm guessing, like I said, the fact that his sister is two, I'm going to guess it's been about two and a half years, give or take. Because right. Jessica was not far enough along where she was really showing her anything yet. So right, you can go what two three months before you start to show. I know it depends on the woman and all that, but give or take. So, given that she's already two years old, give it six months from there. Boom, boom, boom. Two and a half years, give or take. Right. So yeah, so there. So I mean, even when when Paul presses Cheney, what's what? What do you mean? What do they think of my sister? She kind of stops that conversation. She says a little bit, but she kind of pulls back. Right. She's, well, she's loyal to Paul or Moadib, mm-hmm. but she's got to be freaked out too and realize that, you know, the Fremen are like, what's going on? But then you have Hannah, who apparently is going to vouch for her and convince everyone she's not a witch. So. Right. Right. Interesting. It's, it was a good section, but like I said, it all happened within a few hours. Then, of course, we meet Gurney. 
Um, well, that was that was one of my favorite parts of the book because now what, what what Gurney becomes, at least from my eyes, is he is like he's like a reader, like one of us. He he's the one that kind of he's, he comes in and and starts to to kind of look at things, looks at Paul different, right? Because when Paul says things like us, and you know, he's like, oh wow, he's more fremen than than Atreides, you know? Right. Um. So he's he's now wondering what Paul is, even though he doesn't think he's bad. He just thinks, like, well, where's his, you know, he sees all of the spice in his eyes, right? The blue. Well, he's gone native. And they say, yeah, gone native, right? And and that's one of the sayings, I guess, if I remember right, that um, the, the smugglers that, that he was with, they, they are able to eat other things and have other things, so they're not quite spiced out, so to speak. But- you know, the, the spice is maybe taking over Paul in Gurney's eyes. Right. Because of the blue on blue eyes. And then mm-hmm. obviously the time he spent two over two years now with the Fremen. Yeah. That's the thing. That's the tough part when you read the book. Like you, you kind of forget that that's a lot of time. Right. I you mean, know, two years. It is and it so isn't. You, I mean. It, it is and it isn't. It is when you're, when you're in the middle of a story. Yes. You know, when you're reading this book, it's like, oh, well, that's, you know, it it doesn't say cut to two years later. It just kind of starts going. You're like, wait, what happened? It's almost as if the the author's like, I don't know what to do, but I need to get him older. You know what I mean? I don't know. Maybe I need to get these other characters going because I, wherever we're headed, I have to like jump ahead. Yeah. It was like, uh, I'm already 500 pages into this. I need to skip about 1500 pages to get to the good stuff. Yeah. 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 But it's so, like I said, it's enjoyable, but it's obvious that things are now. I mean, we're six hundred pages into it, and we the war hasn't even started yet. No, I mean, they okay. I should say it, not that it hasn't started, but there have been skirmishes, if you will, between the Fremen and the Harkonnen or Harkonnen. Whatever. Right. Well, the Harkonnen don't know how many Fremen there are until was it uh, Howat said, you know, kind of laid it out that this stuff's going to happen. Yep. And they make note that you know the the Fremen have basically knocked out so many of the uh, the air forces they have that they just don't send people out to patrol anymore. Right. So it's enjoyable, but like I said, the the. And maybe I shouldn't keep coming back to this, but the biggest thing for me was like how many pages it took to describe just a couple hours, a couple right. hours. Oh, and also um, Gurney obviously still believes Jessica's the traitor. So that is going to be a problem. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. So... I, you know, hmm. clearly there's a lot of cool stuff that's going to happen. I hope like we need, I need a little more action as we said last time. Um, so it's good though. There are some quotes that I, that I made note of. I'm, I, I'm, I think I posted one just the other day on social media. You did about, you know, religion and politics going hand in hand. It was a very good quote. I like that. Well, it is because that is how you get. Um, well, this is kind of timely. Authoritarian leaders. 
right. when you mix those two, right? Um, yep. Because the beauty of separating religion from politics is you're not you're not asking people to change their heart. You're asking them to change their mind when it's politics. And that's a little bit different. You know, you don't. Uh, I would never ask someone to change their religion. That's their own business. But most of the world up until now, when you change the land, you you also fought religion. My God's better than your God, so therefore we need to kill you. Um, it's happened time again, whether you're a Christian, Muslim, Jewish, whatever. Um, or if you were, if you believed in Zeus, you didn't after you were killed if you didn't believe in the one God. So, well, maybe that's kind of what Herbert's trying to get at here. I mean, I think so for sure. Yeah. Well, he already established right, right away that the real power of the Bene Gesserit was that their focus was on politics. Yeah. I mean, we discussed that in the first section. So in a way, I think he's trying to say that, and it is timely. Uh, yes, there are, you know, religious uh, differences in different factions throughout the world. But in a way, politics has become the new religion. Right. Right, right. Not, so I, I'm still liking the I'm still liking the book. It's it just it's like it's funny. It just it's um it's way slower. It's it feels like it's getting slower rather than picking up. Maybe it's picking up. I don't know. I have to believe this next section. I mean, we're some. We only have two hundred and some pages left, right? Right. So I gotta believe. I mean, the way it ends too. With I mean, right before we. You know, the, don't tell me how it ends because I don't know how it ends. No, not the book. The book this section oh. ends. The section right. ends with Gurney saying that obviously he wants to yeah. reveal to Paul that you know Jessica's the traitor because that's what he believes. But right before that, mean, right. right before that, basically Paul says it's time for war. Yeah, we're done. We're done. Yep. He he, he decides he changes his mind instead of going south. It's time to go north. And bring the bring the thunder, right? I think what's weird to me though is, um, does the emperor seem uh, like I don't know? We don't know the emperor. We have never. He hasn't come up, right? Like we haven't seen him talk, have we? Maybe we have. No, he's been referenced, but I don't think we've actually he, met him yet. Right, but I don't feel the evil. Like, what are they fighting against? He's just running something. Like the, you know what I mean? I don't feel the oppression. I feel the oppression from the Harkonnen who's going a bit rogue and wants to hide things from the emperor. Right. So I don't know. Uh, you know what I mean? I don't, I feel the evil is the evil or the, the, the pro uh, antagonist is the Harkonnen. Well, that's what makes this uh, story kind of timely and modern is that, you know, in classic, you know, like star Wars and stuff like that, people like a, right. a well, People like to be able to identify the bad guy easily. Right. And I think what this shows is with politics and the political intrigue that's going on with the emperor, he's using his power and his allegiances to get factions like the Harkonnens or Harkonnens uh, to do his dirty work for him. So he's doing this all behind the scenes to keep his hands relatively clean. Right. So he's not going to come across as the, you know, the mustache twirling bad guy. Um, right. And I think that's the point. And is this, you know, the idea of 
absolute power corrupts absolutely? Is that what this is really about, this whole book? You know, he's trying not to, you know, Paul's trying not to let that happen. Right. But it could. We'll see where it takes us. It it could end up being that. Yeah, we'll see where it takes us. So there we go. Do we miss anything this week, this section? It was not much happened. We just said, it, but you know, it was nice to see that Gurney came back and um, maybe the voice of reason in some way, shape or form for him. Um, so I think we covered there it. There you go. Once cool. again, I realize I'm sorry. I've been a bit lax. I'll get the questions up there. I'll get some quotes up there and uh, we'll open up the discussion to our readers. Maybe, uh, maybe they're just catching up. And like, like Joe said, Next week's a bye week because of Thanksgiving. So if you're behind and like to catch up, you know, and obviously you're, and maybe you're listening to these episodes after the fact, maybe you're a little behind yeah. that way. Um, yeah. Next week's your chance to catch right up and you can be live with us the week after that. Cool. All right. I did some work over the week and watched uh, three, four, five of Star Trek Discovery. I'm really curious as to your take because I just am. What do you think about Discovery five episodes in? We're about halfway through the season. I know. I liked episode five the best, I think, so far. I don't know why. I think because they met up with, I guess, um, the fleet. I guess you'd go, what, do you, what would you call it? The Federation. Federation. I was going to say the fleet. <laughs> but, uh, this is, this is why Star Trek people probably hate me. Um, <laughs> but I'm, I, you know, it's, it's the way they write Burnham's character. That's really starting to bother me more and more, but at least it was called out by the captain this time where she's like, where he's like, you know, just take, um, boy, I jumped a couple episodes. I'm already on episode five. We haven't talked about the other ones, but you asked me overall. Um, it's, it's, it's her, trying her always being the one to try and solve everything is what's bothering me. I think, I don't know. What's your take? Oh, you're not wrong. Like she's, I mean, yeah. Every other Star Trek show has been about the captain, whether it's Picard, you know, yeah, but I don't remember like watching like the captain always solving everything and, and, next generation or even in star Trek, you know, it was mostly like, you know, it was a lot. I just feel like there's, um, she's the smartest. She's the best. No one knows better than her. Well, so my, my point was, yes, the focus is always on the captain, but every star Trek show took time to also delve into all the other characters and have those storylines as well. Remember, you know, Next Generation was 26 episodes. It ran half the year, and there wasn't as yeah, much time. So you had to fill 45 to 50 minutes of TV time over 26 episodes. Right. You know, in seven years, I think they went, did 168 episodes. A single season of of uh, Discovery, I think this season's, what, eight episodes? I mean, by the time we're three seasons in, we're just around the same length of time as one season of it. Totally get it. I just, it's, um, it's just my take, you know, I, and it's got nothing to do with her, um, being bad or anything. I just, I think 
she's good in this show or whatever, but it's just my interpretation of like. No, and that's my point. My point is they don't have the time to go into all those other interpersonal relationships within the show. They got to get in, get quick. And they said right away, she's not the captain, but we're going to focus on her. So she is the face of the show. So with only eight episodes to go, they really can't dive into these other stories that I loved about, you know, the original, not the original next generation, you know, deep space nine Voyager. They just can't. So a, Side effect of that is exactly what you're describing. Yeah, I I think if you're asking me right now, do I like season two better than three or three better than two? I, I like two better than three right now. Really? Um. Well, I don't know. Yeah, only because of Pike and that kind of thing. Um, I was kind of digging that, but I, you know, there's a lot of future tech, which we're trying to figure out. Like, I think the individual being able to beam yourself anywhere is cool, that kind of stuff. But clearly the ship is still better, <laughs> you know, and we've got this thing. We can jump anywhere we want, any place we want to go. Um, they didn't come up with anything better in that time frame. Um, I, I, you know, it's good in that they can go anywhere cause it's a future. Um, but you know, I, I, are you loving this series? I mean, this this season is it, is this is this kicking? Is this is this what you're what you're liking and what you want? Yes, hundred percent. Yes, for okay. me. I mean, don't get me wrong. I fully expected not to like Discovery, and I had my qualms with season one, and season two I thought was better, but season three, for me, is jumping leagues above season one and two. So I need to know why. Maybe you can you can teach me. Well, here's why. Oh, I won't go into the whole thing about prequel series, how I hate those. Um, but in many ways, the shows the show was tethered in seasons one and two because it happened ten years before the original series. So right. it can fuck around things with things as much as it wants, but at the end of the day, it has to get to the original series. So Wrapping up the whole thing with control and, you know, the Red Angel and all that in season two by her jumping into the future as well as the discovery. And then basically everyone else that survived, that stayed behind, basically saying discovery's destroyed. We lost all hands. They're all gone. It untethers the show and now brings us to borrow from Star Trek into the undiscovered country and what I like about this season is that, don't get me wrong, the first two couple of seasons are kind of dark. There is now hope in this third season that didn't exist in the first two seasons. And it's become more Star Trekky, if you will, in that, you know, Next Generation and Deep Space Nine. Deep Space Nine was a little bit darker, but also Voyager. It was about the hope. The hope that we're going to get there, the hope we're going to make it, like in Voyager, the hope that we're going to get home. You know, in Next Generation, it was all about exploration and the hope that we can, you know, make the galaxy better. That's what Star Trek's about. It's supposed to be about, you know, a utopian galactic society. Yeah, there are still going to be wrinkles, but it's all about, you know, encountering new species and bringing them into the, 
you know, goodwill and grace of what is the Federation. And here we are seeing, a, we're basically what we're seeing here in Discovery is they've gone through a traumatic event, basically the Dark Ages, if you will, for a couple hundred years. And now, hopefully, like they've referenced in the show, mm-hmm. this is the Renaissance again. The good years are coming. So I guess I like that hope. That's what's doing it for me. Okay. I mean, like I said, I think that's why I like the last episode better than the other ones. Yeah. Um, the most recent episode, because I think it started to bring together what the Federation is. And um, and forgive me, I I'm, I should know these names, but I don't. But the captain of of Discovery, what's his name? Saru. Saru. He's, he gets better for me throughout all three seasons so far. He is very even keeled. And that's what a captain should be. But he's, his character gets better. And he, he, I mean, he was hesitant and now he's not as hesitant and, and he says what he needs to say. And um, I like him. I think it's, that's, um, the character is getting better. Um, Now they brought this new character that has a symbiont. That's an interesting play, but it's going to be, it's almost like it's going back to like Battlestar. We got this other thing that they, she talks to. Should we, should we tell him, you know what I mean? Like, ah, I'm not going to like that. Like, I can't stand that. Um. Well, no. See, well, you didn't watch Deep Space Nine, did you? No. Okay. Jadzia Dax, who was on for six seasons of that show, she was a trill as well. So this is old hat. This is this is not this is pretty standard Star Trek at this point. Got it. So okay. and wow. what was nice about her in Deep Space Nine, um the captain on that, Captain uh Cisco knew the previous trill knew the previous trill that had the symbiote. So he knew him as uh old cantankerous man. So even though Jedzia is this woman in her thirties, very attractive, and her name's Jessia Dex, um Captain Cisco still calls her old man. Cause he was friends with Curzon Dax. Anyway, all that to say, um this is this is this this is not new for Star Trek fans, but because you didn't watch the show, you're not familiar with Trill. Right. Listen, I, I, I'm still watching it and I, I'll, I like it. I just, you know, I don't know. I gotta, I still just gotta, I gotta get past some of the characters that is very one dimensional. That's what it is. Gotcha. They're, they're one dimensional characters. They're not, they're not, the villains seem better. The villain or the bad, like what's her name? The um, uh, gosh, why am I so bad with the names? Um, the Empress or whatever her name is, Jojo. Jojo, yeah, she's a, the best character on the show. Yeah, but something happened to her in this episode. She seemed to be right. in control. And did you notice who that was? Her interrogator was. Oh yeah, David Cronenberg. Fucking awesome. And it was awesome. Well, that's um, that's the thing. She left that changed. How? We don't know. We don't know. But right. it's got to be something horrific, because why would they throw David Cronenberg in there? You know, one of the masters of body of Yeah. Yeah. So. But, I mean, she's one of the most interesting characters of the thing, because she seems a little more multifaceted. Yes. Um, and I liked Book. I liked Book, the new character. I think he'll be back. Of course, um, but he was a good character. I liked him. Yep. So, um, 
And we lost one character, right? Or she's staying behind. Yeah. Uh, yep. But I don't know. I don't know. I it, it's not bad. It's not it's not bad show. I just I need to I need something. I don't know what it is, and, I, and it's really around the main character and um something's lacking and I don't know quite what it is. I, I think when you had like a Kirk situation, um, he may like try to solve everything, but I think people called him out on his bullshit and that was what was good about it. So you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, th- I think that Michael Burnham was called out on her bullshit at the end of this episode by Saru. He was like, well, that's what I liked about Saru. That's right. Exactly. I think that's that, you know, if it starts to go more then I think it's going to get better. Right. And that's what I, that's kind of what turned is like, Oh, he's really getting, he's not afraid or he, he's telling, you know, he's calling her out. So, okay. But so far, I mean, it's good. I mean, it's, it's good. Now you probably didn't catch these things. I know we need to move on to the Mandalorian, but did you notice the Voyager J? No. So I don't, you know what? I'm trying to watch the show and, I, and I'm not looking for things like I am in Star Wars because I know Star Wars so well that I'm not even thinking of looking. So you got to watch. Nothing, okay, just like Star Wars, nothing's done by mistake. One of the right. ships they pass by is the Voyager J. So, which is interesting because I'm sure there are other ships. I'm not a huge tricky, so I don't know all of them, but obviously the Enterprise being the flagship keeps being rechristened rechristened with new ships, right? Right. So that's how we know, like right now, the last one that we know of in this time period is the Enterprise E. But we've seen, way back in Enterprise, at some point there's going to be an Enterprise J. And there's probably going to be more after that. So what they've established, again, they may have done this in the books, I don't read the books, but they've now established as far as the show and movie canon that there is room for other ships of note that their name has been honored and there are multiple ships of that name. So this is the 11th ship named the Voyager, which I think is fantastic. So you could have other Voyager stories. Not necessarily other Voyager stories, but so Star Trek Voyager was all about the USS Voyager. So they're taking their seven years to get back to Earth that ship has now become legendary. So they've honored it that the next ship was the Voyager. Right. But you you could in theory have another Voyager series is what I'm saying. You could, I don't think you have a lot of ships in between is what I'm saying. Right. But that's just cool. And then one other thing, and then we can move on to Mandalorian. The other, another ship they passed by. So on deep space nine, there was a Ferengi character named Nog. And Mm. You know, the Ferengi are all about commerce. There's not really a lot of Ferengi in the Federation. And um, uh, other Trekkies can correct me if I'm wrong. I think Nog was the first Ferengi to join Starfleet Academy and become a Starfleet officer. Um, The actor that played him, unfortunately, passed away last year at the age of 50, Mm. which is not that old, as you know. Wow. So one of the ships that they passed... Or the USS Nog. So that was a very nice tip of the hat. A nice, because he passed last year. It was very sweet. Wow. That is cool. So I know we really kind of only talked about episode five. And 
there's a lot we can unpack with the other episodes, but I know we need to move on to the Mandalorian. But and we can unpack that again next week. We can maybe do a duo show again. Um, so yeah, there's a lot to unpack. Uh, but Mando season two, the episode three, chapter eleven, the heiress. So in it's really funny because it's such two different shows that when I watch this episode, and I say this in a great way. That is the longest 35 minutes in television history. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, like they pack so much in 35 minutes that I thought I watched an hour's worth of, of content. I did think it was interesting because I think the first two episodes were what, around 40, 45 minutes? Yeah. And I was like, oh, so they're all going to be longer episodes this season. And then this one was back to 35. I th- I just think that because it's streaming, like just whatever the story ends up being for this episode, it is how, right. when you edit it, like, don't try to hit 60 minutes. Like, like maybe discovery could take a cue out of this since it's pure streaming. Like, why do they have commercial break? You know, it's a commercial break. Uh, because I, I know it's going to air on CBS, but yeah, it is, but you can cut it anyways, if you want, but, but it's like, so anyways, point is this was a fantastic episode of the Mandalorian and it was a short episode, but it sure as shit didn't seem like a short episode. And I'm going to say that Bryce Dallas Howard directed one of the best episodes of the Mandalorian and not because of who shows up in there. Again, spoilers. If you haven't listened to it, we're, we're late. Everybody else has had podcasts on this already. We're, we're later than everybody uh, when it comes to talking about the Mandalorian. Um, but I thought she did a phenomenal job of, of, uh, directing this episode. And if you follow her on Twitter, the shot of um, the razor crest kind of floating down into the planet was almost a shot for shot from Apollo 13 that her dad did. It was a tip of the hat to her dad. That's so cool. I didn't know that. That's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I, I mean, it'd probably come as a zero surprise. Anybody who listens to this podcast that I thought this was that I love this episode. Um, and I know where Michael might come from from here, so I'd like you to talk about it a little bit. I thought it was fucking great. Yeah. But I'm going to counter a little bit of what you said. What makes this sh- this episode particularly great for me and probably for you is realizing the depth of the story that is being told right now, mm-hmm. which is lost to some viewers. So yes and no, but I'll I'll let you go. Go ahead. I know where you're going. Well, so not, I want to say you're, I don't know your average star Wars viewer, but Mm -hmm. let's face it. I have only watched some of the clone wars and I, I know obviously who Bo-Katan is because of that. Had I not watched that, this would be similar to like the nods and stuff that you missed in discovery. Mm -hmm. I agree. I, but I, I'll tell you, I'll give you an alternate to this. Go ahead. Well, I have a friend. His take on it was like, so we, you and I both agree the first two episodes, they're okay, but they're kind of fillers. Like, especially the second episode kind of felt like a filler, right? A little bit. Yep. A friend of mine, his take on it was yet another episode. We're three episodes in and there's no advancement on the plot. He's like, ah, but that's not true. I know you believe that. I know that too. I explained to him why, but his... Because he didn't watch Clone Wars or Rebels, to him, there's no real plot advancement. I think he's missing something in this episode, regardless if he knows who Bo-Katan is or not. Okay, what is that? 
Well, you had you had um, Moff Gideon in this episode. Yes. And you've already had Bo-Katan say, does he have, you know, clearly he, she's talking about Moff Gideon. Like there, there's a connect and that's all you need to know. Like th- what, what the difference is like, this may be, this is not, this, this is almost a reward for watching rebels and watching clone wars. Right. It's a reward, but it doesn't stop people from this story moving on. It's another character that, that builds intrigue. Like, wait a minute, these are Mandalorian. Like if you don't know anything about star Wars, but you just watched the Mandalorian and you became, and you were just taught in season one that you can't take your helmet off. Right. And you thought that's what all Mandalorians are. And now you've got three of them. They all took their helmet off. And she's like, what are you talking? Oh, you're just a small sect. Now you can see the story is getting bigger. Right. But it's also teaching the audience that the story is getting bigger. You don't have to know who Bo-Katan is. She told you who she was. I've had it my thing for years and my family for years. That's all you need to know. I don't know who Moff Gideon is, but I still want to know. You know what I mean? There's no Moff Gideon in Rebels or anything earlier. I just happen to know this character. I don't think it impedes the joy of the show. I don't think it stopped the storytelling. And I think it's just a new character that you have to learn. Even if, you know, no one knows who, but us, who Ahsoka Tano is. But new people that are coming to this episode just heard like, oh, my God, there's a Jedi. Cool. It doesn't matter if they know them or not. But the story is moving forward. And I don't, you know, I think what your per- what your friend missed was that that connection of Moff Gideon to her. Clearly, it's the, the, the Darksaber. And he'll learn that, you know, they're going to show all that. And, and I think they did a really good job of 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 keeping people into the story without having to know any of that history. And yet, personally, yeah, yeah, but you and I are biased because we know that history. We know how rich it is. To someone who is not going to watch the cartoons ever, mm-hmm. it was boring. Uh, maybe, maybe I can't. I mean, I, I feel bad that he thought it was boring because, I mean, you know, there's a lot of other things going on in this story too, and that is the connection between. Uh, Mandalorian and the child of him acting more like a father rather than um, somebody who's on a mission. Right. Right. Like, like, like he's actually learning. He has to mentor this thing. Like, you know, don't play with your food. Don't do this. Or, Hey, do you want to see your kid? Like, like you're at the zoo. We're going to feed this thing. Your kid might like it. All right. I'll show it to him. I want to have a good time. You know what I mean? Like he's really acting more like a father now. And, and that's, that's, that's a big deal. Like that's going to be, you know, down the road, that's going to pay dividends. And then I don't know anybody who watched this series or watched this episode and didn't freak the shit out when that guy knocked him into the water. Like I, it got me when I watched it, like, holy shit, <laughs> you know, he no, just got swallowed. Yeah, but no one, scared the no hell. one thinks he's going to die. No, but it still scared the hell out of you. At least for me. Um, I was like, holy shit, they got him. You know, how's he going to say him? And then, you know, it was a great way to have the, the Mandalorians come in and, and save him. And, and again, this second season, like everything's going wrong for Mando. Like everybody else has got to save him from shit. Right. Ships blown apart. You know, um, he's not doing the right thing. He's, he's, he's everything he has is in question now. Right. Yeah. For Mando, like his whole backstory, like, Oh, I thought it was one thing, but now he knows that, it, that Mandalorian isn't, uh, this may not be the way or, you know, he doesn't know everything or what was he taught? Like, what was it, what was hidden from him? You know, they told him not to go to Mandalore cause it's, it's cursed. Well, probably cause there's some weird 
power play going on, right? Um, from the armorer that that basically is also saved and and gave him a great life or a life anyways, a chance at life. So he's gonna he's gonna be wrestling with a lot, you know. And will he take his helmet off after a season three or four? Will he help Mandalore? You know. Um, now the Mandalorian as a um series name right now could mean just him, but it could be plural. Right. You know, and this this whole art could be the rebuilding of Mandalore. This whole storyline for the next, you know, three or four years. Maybe that was to be the whole thread of this thing was to rebuild Mandalore, maybe. I don't know. Um but there's there's this just this episode to me was the one episode that is opened a ton of doors for a much larger story. And that's why it's great. Whether you know who these people are or not, now there's a bigger story. Wait, wait, there's a whole different kind of Mandalore? Mandalorian? Holy crap. Now that's really the only thing about this episode that people need to know at this point is that, holy shit, there's more than one type of Mandalorian. And I think they did that really well. To be clear, I thought this episode was fantastic. So, oh, I, I know, I know. I'm. We're just we're talking about storytelling here, not necessarily so good or bad. It was interesting to me just to hear that other perspective because it made me think of things. Because I'm the guy who left the first Lord of the Rings movie thinking, "Holy shit, that was boring." And my <laughs> friend who had read all the Lord of the Ring books was like, "No, you see, this was important because if you knew this from yeah. the book," and I was like, "Stop right there." If I have to read the book to know what the fuck's going on in the movie, I don't give a shit. <laughs> so I don't know what you had to read in, in well, one day we're going to do a Lord of the Rings podcast. We're going to uh, have to. Maybe the day I die. No, it's not fair. If I watch stuff, you need to watch stuff. But you want to watch Star Trek. I'm not forcing you. I'm doing it to help this podcast or to derail it, one of the two. <laughs> I, I just... <laughs> Maybe if COVID keeps on going for another year, I'll be forced to watch the Lord of the Rings movies. I don't know if I don't know if I. All right. So okay. So we've got Bryce Dallas Howard is directed this one. I'm going to put everything I own that Ahsoka Tano will not be in the next episode. No, no. Um, And the reason I say that is. the episode after the next one is going to be directed by Dave Filoni. And I'm sure as shit thinking he's going to be the one to bring Ahsoka to life. Like that's, that's his directorial things. I, they're giving him that bone. Right. I agree. So, and like I said, I love this episode. Uh, I'm not bashing it. I'm just saying, I think the importance of this episode will be much more evident by the time we get to the end of the series. I think when the series is done, mm-hmm. whichever way it's going, I don't know. But I'm I'm thinking that this episode is going to end up going – I can't speak. This episode will end up being much more key than we realize, but we just don't know that yet. Right. We do a little bit, you and I, because of our past. But that's why I think when people watch this, the next one, they're going to look back and say, oh, shit, they did give me everything I needed to know. Um, so tell me, what was what was your your favorite part of this particular episode? Um, I don't know what my favorite part is, but I have to say I was super geeked to see the repurposed Annette 
crane. Yeah, I was going to bring that up. That was really cool, right? I mean, and they they took all the sound effects yep. from uh, Empire. I mean, as it's making its sounds and lifting the thing up, I'm like, that's the same sound when you know Luke was underneath it and he could hear it moving. Yep. So other than that, um, what's my favorite part? I mean, just seeing Katie Sackoff take her helmet off and look just like Bo-Katan, which I realized they modeled the animated character after her. But she fucking nailed it. Yeah, it was good. And I kind of, you know what I really like too that was a little bit, is like, okay, there's a lot of Imperials still. And that was a whole crew. Yep. And it was kind of cool that the guy who plays Bosch was on there. Whatever. The guy that used to do cable commercials and shit was the captain guy. Did the little bite his teeth and shocked himself to death. Um, I like that. I have to admit, I really yeah. like that because, you know, we've all heard the stories, you know, the poison tooth. And I like that right. they Star Wars, they Star Warsified it and made it, you know, like yeah. tooth. It was, that was good. Um, but, uh, you know, what I don't understand. Okay. So we've got, We've got a, a pretty big size Imperial fleet, we think, out there. And you also had episode prior where you have the Republic that is playing chips, you know, uh, policing the galaxy. Like they have to know this exists, right? They can't just be hidden. Like if you if 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 Mando was on their computer database or whatever, then you, we've got to believe that. Uh, this imperial large imperial force is still out there. Well, just because they know doesn't mean necessarily they can do something about it. I mean, the new Republic, you know, did not want to be the empire. And so there was a heavy emphasis on not having a massive standing fleet. Right. So, um, they might know it's there, but let's face it. The Republic was able to, you know, well, not Republic. The Rebellion was able to get enough of a big fleet to be a pain in the ass to the Empire. And the Empire was well aware that the Three Rebellion existed. So now take that and take that you have pockets of the Remnant still around, but with a new government that has a much less formidable standing Navy, if you will. Maybe they right. can't do anything about it right now. Right. Well, you know, I, I I hope we get to see a little bit of the Republic politics, I guess. I hope that comes up down the road. Um, but, you know, <laughs> there's so much out there. I, I just, I thought it was cool. They had a little um, Death Star type skirmish on that uh, ship or whatever. And I thought it was cool that, you know, he was willing, the captain was willing to sacrifice everybody on there and just take it down. Uh, for the empire, long live the empire. Um, so there's clearly that military, you know, he knew Giancarlo as well, Giancarlo. He knew Moff Gideon was going to take him out anyways. So um, right. his comment about you may not kill me. Yeah. But he will. Uh, yeah. Another thing that really is interesting to me and that, that has this tension is that you had Mandalorian and Bo-Katan both have the same enemy and didn't know it. You know, in Moff Gideon, and and Mando thinks that Moff Gideon died, didn't know he came out of that Tie Fighter, right? As, as far as we know, and Bo Katan's looking for him too, and 
if they just would have talked <laughs> just a little bit more about what happened, could have been a whole different world. True. But but they didn't. Um, so clearly that will, Bo-Katan will figure into this a little bit later, obviously, is what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. So they just didn't talk. This is the way. This is the way. I did like the way at the beginning where she goes, oh, this is the way. Like, as in it was all sarcastic. But at the end, after he kind of proved himself as a brother or, you know, he took all those shots with his best car going through the ship, like took like 50 some shots on him. Um, he g- gained their respect, so to speak. Yep. So and and she gave it back at the end. Yep. So there's, there's going to be a lot happening um, with Mando. Tomorrow, I think. Obviously, I think they're going to go back to Navarro, get his ship fixed, and uh, meet up with Grief Karga, I think. Be tomorrow's, because tomorrow's Carl Weathers as the director. I did like how his patched together ship was patched together with all kinds of netting, like fishing netting and stuff. Yeah. It's it's so, so, yeah. Well, he said I could get it to fly. He said he didn't fix it great. He didn't promise him anything. Yep. And Ooh. another 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 alien um homage with the thing that hits his face, you know. Yep. Yep. Baby Yoda. Stop playing with your food. Um now my only thing is now I, I think we've lost a little bit of Baby Yoda. I, I think I would like to see a little more growth in Baby Yoda or be do something more than just be cute now. Like like the first season, he did stuff, save them, did some things. Um, I don't want him to be always like, "Can you watch my kid while I go on this adventure?" Right. You know, I want that. I I don't want that to happen as much. You know, I'm missing. I'm missing Baby Yoda doing something. Yeah, a little bit more focus needs to go his way. Yeah. Cool. I think we cover that. I think so. Like I said. I thought it was fantastic. I loved all the nods to, you know, to, like I said, I haven't even watched all of Rebels, but I know the importance of Bo-Katan and the Darksaber. It was all badass. And these are all little things, you know, that they've peppered all through the shows. Even even in uh, Rogue One, there's a Darksaber reference there when they're looking through yep. different files. So Yep, there is. It, it's fantastic. For someone like me, and probably even more so you that has watched everything, this is probably very rich. So I know it I was. It was. I cheered. My wife laughed at me. So there you go. I think that'll, uh, that's going to do it for this week. We went over quite a bit, and that's great. Um, hopefully, people listen to it, anyways. Uh, if you do listen to it and you like our show, you know, tell a friend and maybe even give a review or something on one of the various podcatchers that we are on, like, Spotify or Apple Podcasts or Google Casts or Podbean or Pocket Cast, any one of those or Stitcher even. Um, but still you know, not give us hit. Still not Amazon. I don't know. You don't like me. Um, but anyways, if you hit subscribe, you won't miss an episode because it'll be downloaded right to your or at least tell you that it's a, a new episode is out. Sometimes, I mean, we're not the most consistent. We try to do it Thursday. We re- usually record Thursday nights, try to get it out before Friday. Um, but hey, you know, when it, if even if it's a little late, it'll tell you when it is posted if you hit the subscribe button. Um, and you can also get with us on some social media that Michael will tell you about. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, 
page and group and Instagram. That's where we're going to be discussing Dune. Absolutely. All right. We will uh, talk to you hopefully next week. We'll, we'll record. We'll watch uh, The Mandalorian. Maybe do a quick recording next Tuesday before Thanksgiving. Um, if not, I hope you guys all stay safe out there during the Thanksgiving holiday and, and, you know, see who you can see and be as safe as you can. Um, anything else, Michael? No, I think that's it for us. All right. We will, uh, hopefully see you all back here next week. This is the way I have spoken. What a piece of junk. Boring conversation anyway.